You're listening to Parenting Our Future. I'm parenting expert, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in all different areas of your parenting so you can create strong connections with your kids, get all the cooperation you want, and live a life that is full of joy and connection. And by the way, the tools and solutions that you're looking for in your parenting don't just live in each episode of my show. They're also in my free membership site, The Parent Toolbox, where you can access tools created by myself and my brilliant guests that cover everything from helping your kids to sleep, managing meltdowns, reducing overwhelm to getting your kids to listen the first time and so much more. Join the Parent Toolbox so you can download and use the tools that are ready on the site and each week a brand new tool is added. And of course, the best part is it's absolutely free to join and to stay in. You can go to www.parent-toolbox.com today. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to share with you another podcast that I think you're going to find really interesting. It's called, Didn't I Just Feed You? It's a weekly candid conversation about feeding our families, even for parents who hate to cook. Hosts Stacey Billis and Megan Splawn are two food professionals who get real about feeding kids, tweens, and teens because they're also busy working moms, so they get it. They talk about how to turn things like nachos into a legit family dinner, to the magic of meatballs, to solving the after-school snack problem, even reducing kitchen waste and debt all at once. They chat with guests from Food Network stars to everyday moms who, let's be honest, are the real experts. In fact, Didn't I Just Feed You is a staple on the iTunes Top 100 Food Podcasts and the only food podcast made with parents in mind. Stacey and Megan are on a mission to make cooking easier, more delicious, and maybe even a little bit more fun. Find Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Now, you can also find Stacey and Megan on Instagram and Facebook as at Didn't I Just Feed You. Now let's dive into this next episode of Parenting Our Future. Hello, everybody. It's Robin here. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Our Future. I am going to be talking to somebody who you are going to love. Not only is she fun to listen to, everything she says, literally everything she says, I agree with. And uh, and she is just amazing. So I'm talking to Erica Sitter. Uh, She's a nationally recognized voice in parenting news and parenting advice. She has over 20 years experience in journalism and is a frequent contributor for Good Morning America and other national broadcast outlets. And it's really her job to speak to parents across the country on issues and controversies and trends that most affect families today. Her book is called How to Have a Kid and a Life, A Survival Guide. I love it. And we're talking all about that book today and all about the themes that I know you can relate to that are so relevant and really affect so many of us. I completely identify with what Erica talks about in her book. Um, And just so you know where you can see Erica, you can find her on The Bump, 
what to expect, Cafe Mom and Mom.com and all other high traffic parenting sites that reach millions of moms each day. She's also been featured in People Magazine, Us Weekly, Essence, Cosmopolitan, Self and WebMD. And she is just an authority on all things parenting. So I'm excited to bring her to you today. And we're going to pick up kind of midway through a conversation that we had. And I really hope you enjoy it. I know that I really enjoy talking to her. I think you're going to love it too. Thanks for listening, everybody. I am so excited to talk to you too. Oh my gosh, it's going to be such a great conversation. I think you and I are definitely along the same lines of thinking and, you know, just helping these mamas out who are overwhelmed and just burnt out, right? Yes. It's like an, it's like its own epidemic, to be honest, you know? You know what? I'm doing a lot of research on it um, because some of the work that I do is to help companies with their employees who are parents mm-hmm. mitigate that burnout piece. And I believe, and I'm sure you share this to some degree, that we cannot have wellness and can't solve burnout until we solve what's happening at home with our kids. Because, you know, we talk about incivility at work, but when there's incivility at home that a lot of us are facing, you can't show up and have well, like the well-being app that my company gave me is not going to do anything for me when my kids don't listen and I'm overwhelmed at home. Right. Don't you think? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that we're expected to just kind of like, just block out other things in our lives, right? Or we're sitting at our desk, we're not supposed to worry about our child at home sick, or daycare issues or things like that. We we need companies to approach the whole person. And to take in mind that there needs to be support. And I do think like, I I honestly believe that HR company or HR departments need to focus on caring for the whole employee and not just Mm -hmm. like, okay, you're, you're checked in at nine, you're going to leave by 530. Yeah. There's nothing else in your life that matters. Exactly. You're, you, you are literally like preaching to the choir. A hundred percent. Not only that, there has to be no repercussions. There has to be transparency. There has to be, um, you know, understanding, empathy. And right. the fact of the matter is, right, um, you know, speaking to the facts that, that I've researched, like, 43% of women will leave when their home life will leave their careers when home life becomes mm-hmm. too complex. Mm-hmm. And women bring so many skills that are so important to the workplace, you know, soft skills, you know, skills that maybe we are uh, maybe labeled for. I know I have been uh, in my corporate career, right? Like, oh, oh yeah, too dramatic or, oh, you're too soft. Right. But like, we're great negotiators. We can handle difficult personalities. We know how to uh, conflict resolution. And those are things you learn dealing with children, by the way, you know, and those are are skills that develop when you have children. We also are great multitaskers. We know how to organize our day to get things done. And when we go into, we return from maternity leave or we start a job and we have kids, people think the opposite. People Mm -hmm. think you know, I remember ta- interviewing this woman who was uh, really high up in HR at this company, and uh, it was an off-the-record interview, not off-the-record, but it was an anonymous interview, and she talked about one of her biggest concerns was hiring moms, was that they, she has to worry about mind share, and I asked her, I was like, what's, what's mind share? Yeah. And she's like, well, it's when you know that you have a mom and she's going to have to, her thoughts are going to be split during the day between all her responsibilities at home and her responsibilities at work. 
And I was like, oh my God, like, you know, it's even before you get the job, there are all these, you're being penalized for having a life outside of work. Right. So we have, I feel like we're still, you know, this wasn't an interview I did 10, 15 years ago. This is an interview I did for the book a couple of years ago. So (laughs) it's like, we're still battling this even when it's not fair and it's not true and research shows it's not true. Absolutely. And we are more dedicated and will work harder when you recognize that I am a whole person and you give me some flexibility without looking at me sideways when I leave to go pick my kid up or have to take him to the doctor or whatever it is, because that life matters too. And you can say that you got to keep that stuff at home, but you can't, you can't. And the more you deny it, the more tension grows between work and home, right? Like, well, I can't admit that I have to hide that or I have to lie about it or whatever. And that just doesn't, that doesn't work either. So you have to completely recognize the whole person and the whole person is great. How, of course you wouldn't think of a parenting expert helping you with wellness for your employees, but, but why not hit them where, the pain really is right. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Right. That's well, the that's, truth of it. It's true. And that's honestly, you know, I wrote a book on parenting, but it has nothing to do really with your children. Right. It's all about how to take care of yourself. I think people are always surprised. I'm like, no, no, no. This is like, there are enough books on the colic and milestones and yes. potty training. And then, but let's like focus on what happens to you in your world. I start the book with what happens to you in the workplace and how to be prepared for that and how to um, overcome it, survive it, you know, come out on top of it. Uh, What happens to your social life? What happens to your partnership or your marriage? Like all of these things we're not expecting because we're focusing so much and rightfully so, focusing so much on the car seat, the diapers, the crib. all these things that come with being a parent, but it's like, I always like to say, like, I wrote a book on parenting, but not how to parent your child, but how to parent yourself. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's, that's the trick of it that nobody really knows is that really raising your kids is your opportunity to raise yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you become a different person. Like a new you is born the moment you have a child, right? Mm -hmm. Your old, all those things about your old life. I mean, those wants and desires and some of those goals are still there, but you have to learn to balance them in a different way. You have to learn to focus Mm -hmm. them in a different way. And I just feel like we're not, we never talk about that. Like I was totally, I mean, the cover of my book has a pelican dropping a bomb <laughs> instead of a baby. And it. it's, because, it's, it's part of it's because like, it kind of blows up your life and what you thought life would kind yes. of be like. It's never, you know, it, it's never, nothing's ever by the book or cookie cutter, or it, it's just, you have so much going on and it all changes. And I don't think we're prepared for that, but I do think the workplace piece is the biggest shock to people. Yeah. It completely can change your career, not because you're not still good or valuable or go-getter, but because the perception of you and how people respect the fact that you have a family, that sometimes it's just not there. Yeah. And little do you know, I actually am wearing a cape under my uh, suit jacket because I, <laughs> I do so many things, right? Yeah. Right. I know. I know. And you, I mean, 
you can have it all. Like there, there are ways to manage home and, you know, home to work and work to home, right? There's ways to manage that too, but we need to teach those, right? We need to understand also why our kids act the way they do. You know, it's not so much about parenting lessons. It's about mm-hmm. just understanding, like, let's talk about brain science. Let's talk about developmental stages. Let's talk about yeah. what our kids' needs are and why they do what they do. And oh, by the mm-hmm. way, they don't have fully grown brains until they're into their 20s. And I know we can't expect them to act the, like an adult when they're five years old. Right. So stop. I love that you said that. I love that you said that because so many people get frustrated. And even I know I have a four year old and a 13 year old crazy spread in ages. Do not recommend this <laughs> because <laughs> I'm like, I wouldn't do it. Two different parents at once. Like I'm a parent to a toddler, like basically a, a growing out of the toddler years into a teenager. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes we get so frustrated that our kids aren't doing what we expect them to do, but their brains aren't capable of it yet. And mm-hmm. so much of, and we don't even think about that. We're like, well, I've told him 10 times that this is what he needs to do after school, or this is how he needs to do X, Y, Z. Kids aren't capable of being adults. That's why they're kids. And so many parents expect they have these expect expectations for their kids that just aren't realistic. And then it, it just frustrates them and it makes life harder for the kid and the parent, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're frustrated, your kid feels bad, but we have to acknowledge that our kids are not capable of making grown up mature decisions, even when mm-hmm. we want them to. Yeah, exactly. And, but then we parent out of fear because I better nip this in the bud now or whatever, right? Like this is, this is a big deal. I can't let this stand. My kid's going to be a bully. My kid's going to be bossy or whatever, or my kid's too shy. They're never going to make anything out of themselves, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And we want to like beat it out of them. And I always say to, to the clients that I work with too, I'm like, okay, so if your friend was late for coffee, would you say you can't have a brownie now? Cause you were late. Like we would never treat adults <laughs> right. the way we treat our kids and adults have fully grown brains. Right. So like, right. why? What? It's just, and you I, just don't know. Yeah. And I love it. Not love it. But what I hear often is parents will be like, well, when I was a kid, I made sure I did my homework on time. I did this on right. time. I did this. Right. And I was like, I know I doubt it. I really doubt that. <laughs> but I think it's like revisionist history here because very <laughs> few of us could, yeah. you know, very few of us did need reminders to just to get up in the morning, to go to bed at the right time, to finish our homework. We, these are things that we have to do. And, you know, I think one of the problems is, is that parents are so stressed and pulled in so many different directions that we want our kids to make our lives easier, right? By just doing what we expect them to do. And that's not right or fair because our kids we're here to give them instruction and teach them along the way and yes we're going to have to repeat ourselves a gazillion times and it drives me nuts Mm -hmm. uh you know I'm like you know you have to brush your teeth every night Mm -hmm. please just do it but I still do the reminder because you always forget right yeah we we get so frustrated but this is what we're here to do and if we kind of accept Mm -hmm. that this is a part of parenting a part of parenting is you know reminding our kids, helping set patterns, helping them um, remember to do things. And it takes a little bit of that, oh, off, you know, off. Yes. like, you know, we just kind of accept that, you know, this is what I have to do. You know, and what, what one of the things I did, I bought this um, 
this really cool calendar thing, right? And it has like, it hangs in his room and it's like a, a pretty substantial, but it has a things to do, homework due, you know, um, don't forget to. And then so there's these little sections and you put things on there and yeah, I mean, he doesn't look at it every day. Like he, sometimes he's not paying attention to it, but now he kind of knows like, oh wait, he looks at, he sees it and he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. now I've, I've got to do this next or, oh, maybe before I go to bed, I have to make sure to pack my backpack. Mm-hmm. And those are kind of helpful tools. I mean, but it's still a reminder, right? Yeah. It's still yeah. the fact that <laughs> some, you know, my husband is always like, oh my God, he's 13. Why isn't he doing this? I was like, no 13 year old wants to get up on Saturday morning and do math. No, <laughs> gross. I mean, no, no teenager anywhere wants to get up on Saturday morning and do math, really. So I'm like, yeah, so of course he has to be reminded to get his homework out of the way. And it's just, yeah, I mean, parenting, parenting's not easy. If parenting were easy, we wouldn't be talking about it. So exactly. Much. Well, and I think to, to, to your point about the teeth brushing and the reminding, I think we just mm-hmm. need to give ourselves permission to like, to say that that's okay, like permission to, to, to accept, I think, versus permission or versus trying to change the kid, right? Like yeah. we just need to say, you know what, I can accept that right now you are five years old. Sometimes you need my help brushing your teeth, but you're mm-hmm. lucky because you have a 13 year old. Uh, so you can see like, I'm not always <laughs> going to have to brush his teeth. And maybe sometimes you do help the 13 year old big deal. It doesn't need to mean anything, right? It doesn't need to mean anything. And that's the biggest thing that I think, you know, we want to make it mean something and it's okay to just help your kid. It's okay to just keep reminding. It doesn't mean that they are obstinate. It doesn't mean that they are uh, a dud. (laughs) It doesn't mean that they can't learn. That's actually what we're supposed to do. And it also doesn't mean that you have to uh, enforce a punishment on them so that right. they really learn, right? So we right. just need permission right. to let it go, right? We do. Yeah, I mean, this is, I, parents are always so worried about, well, my kid doesn't do this and so-and-so's kid is doing this or so-and-so, this family has this all together. I'm telling you right now, they don't have it all together. The, the mm-hmm. Instagram pictures or the Christmas party you went to, everyone's on their best behavior or everything's cultivated and edited to look perfect. Everyone is struggling with the same things or different things, right? People, every family has struggles and so many people compare themselves. So many parents compare their kids and themselves to other people. And even though deep down, we all kind of know it's fake, it's, it's not, it's not real. It's not a reflection of real life. We still compare ourselves to it. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I think that's, that puts extra pressure on us as parents, right? Cause we want our kids to be just like so-and-so, or we want our family photos to look just like this. We want our vacations to look picture perfect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, my toddler who gets car sick is going to throw up on me on the way to the airport. And that's just, and I'm going to be gross on the plane. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and that's like a reality that I had to accept. <laughs> yeah. That's not pretty for Instagram, right? Exactly. Right. And it's hard enough to raise a typical child. And I say this a lot, let alone a child with extra needs. So yeah. somebody like me that has a child with lots of extra needs, you know, I look at those vacations and I'm like, wow, must be nice. You know, in those moments where I'm feeling lower, you know, and just mm-hmm. like having a rough day. Right. And, you know, you also have to 
surrender to what is and accept what is right there's a lot of right. acceptance that needs to happen like this is my kid yeah. we don't always have great family vacations and that's okay right. like that can be okay this is just the best that right. I can accept right right absolutely and you know one of the things that I learned as a parent is sometimes you secretly struggle with things with your kid right you're you don't want to talk about it you don't want people to know what you're dealing with but once you open up about it you realize that there are so many people struggling with similar things mm -hmm. and and it's not one of those things like you want other people to have issues but there's support in knowing that you're not alone and mm -hmm. I really wish parents would talk to each other more. Um, There's so many, you know, I interviewed hundreds of mothers over the last um, five years and so many of them didn't, you know, they had these mom groups or, or, or you know, parent friend groups. Mm -hmm. And in so many instances, they don't reveal the kind of things that what they're struggling with. And I was like, well, what's the point of having a support group of some yeah. sort or support network if you can't get support for what you're dealing with? Yeah. And that's another thing. So I wish that parents wouldn't be so hesitant to say when, you know, they have a kid who isn't neurotypical or yeah. who is struggling with things that are going on. The more honest and open we are about it, we realize that, oh my gosh, we're not alone. And this is, and you actually, you actually can get help in understanding if someone who is battling with it too, maybe they found a resource that is going to help you or a way of doing things that is going to help you or just someone to talk to who's just going to get it and just be like, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I think that, you know, my, my interpretation of, of what's going on there is that there's just so much shame because we're told mm -hmm. all of our lives, like we're going to be mummies, right? Yep. Like they don't do that. To, they, you know, the big, they don't do that to boys, but we do that yep. to girls all the time. You, here's your baby dolly, you know, oh, you're going to be such a great mom one day. You know, we, we, yep. we think about all that stuff. It's like, just you know it's just programmed into us and then when we yeah. are and it's hard because it is yeah. hard you know uh, for me it started with a, you know 11 days overdue and a c-section and you know and then I couldn't nurse or I couldn't calm him down and I mean that mm -hmm. just sent me on a shame spiral so I didn't want anyone to know how horrible of a mom I was right yeah. and that's yes. the, that's the it's the shame I think it is. And I, and I write about this thing, you know, the mom gene, right? You're kind of told that, oh, as soon as your baby comes, you're going to figure it out. You're going to intuit. You're going to yeah. naturally know how to breastfeed or, you know, and, uh, and for some of us who it, it's, we didn't something when the switch doesn't go off, as soon as you have the baby, you feel so bad. You feel like, oh my God, I'm terrible at this. I can't produce any milk or he won't latch or I don't know how to calm them down. I don't know what to do. And so, and it's, and it can be miserable in those moments, but we're also not supposed to say that, right? Yeah. Because you, you don't want to say, you, you feel like you sound ungrateful or, or yeah. not happy to be a mom, but you are, but it's, it's hard. It is so hard. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember like, I just couldn't produce any milk. I mean, it was like, a, you know, and I, the baby was crying and screaming and hungry and you just feel like, this is the one thing that your boobs are for. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I have one job. One thing. Yeah, we have one job and they're not doing it. And then you feel you're embarrassed, you know? And then you, you know, then you compare yourself. Then I see like moms on Instagram with refrigerators full of expressed milk. And you're like, oh my God, I'm getting one ounce after an hour of pumping. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That was the same with me too. So then if, if we're all feeling 
shame and feeling bad about ourselves. What Mm -hmm. is it that we need to do? Do we need more community in your opinion? Do we need to be more honest? Because everybody's, everybody's experience really is different. I think this is where I've kind of struggled is do you tell every, you know, do you tell the new, the, the expecting mom, look, it's going to be really, really tough. What if it's not? Oh. <laughs> for some moms, it's not that tough, right? Yeah, well, for some people have a really smooth transition into motherhood. Most moms I talk to have struggled with something. So it may not be the same thing. Some people breastfeeding will be easy. For other people, it'll be a struggle in their workplace. Or it might be a struggle with their um, marriage or their relationship with their partner. Right. Or it could be their relationship with friends who don't have children. So they're all, or the relationship with yourself. It's not what I expected. I'm a, I'm in shame. I'm a bad mom. So what I, what I want to do, one of the important um, things I hope people take away from my book is that it, it hits all those things you could potentially struggle with. And it offers advice mm-hmm. on how to get through it and how to overcome it or how to, you know, come out on, on top of it. So like, for example, there's so many moms who are shocked, right? You never alone because you have this baby with you, but you're lonelier than you ever been. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and so true. It, it's like, there's just, that is that loneliness feeling is your body's need for connection. And yes, you have your child and you love your child and you're happy to have that baby with you, but adults need adult connection, right? Mm-hmm. You need to be able to talk to someone who's empathetic who will listen, who will give you some encouragement, who, who sometimes you want feedback, sometimes you want advice. And so one of, one of the most important things you can do is building a community. I say that like, you know, it takes a village for you, not just your kid, right? Yeah. And, but it's not just about quantity, right? So I, I've talked to women who have, oh, I have like 25 mom friends. Well, they have to be the right kind of friends right? They have to be people who see you, who listen to you. You have to be able to be vulnerable around them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And feel cared for. And that doesn't mean you can, can't have silly times and joking. With my closest mom friends, I talk about struggles with parenting or struggles in relationship, but I also can joke about, oh my God, did you see the real housewives last night? That was insane. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but so it's important that you cultivate the right kind of friendships. And that's not going to be easy all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So you might meet some moms and they seem like they're going to be, you know, your crew, your, you know, your buds. And maybe you'll find out that they're not the right friends for you. I remember talking to this one mom who she found these um, moms in her neighborhood and um, they all made their own baby food. And it was like a really big deal. They would always trade recipes and everything like that. She did not make her own baby food. And so she would put by, go to like Whole Foods or wherever and put the baby food in her containers and that's, just pretend that she made it. That's awesome. And I thought that, <laughs> and, and she's like, she was just too embarrassed. And I was like, well, I mean, those moms can be fun to hang out with, but if you have to kind of hide that you don't really have are. time to do this yeah. and who you really are, is that really your crew? Right. So you really have to think about, and that's like a kind of a a minor thing. It's kind of funny, but there are, if you can't be open about maybe something that your child is struggling with or something that Mm -hmm. you're going through, um, those aren't really the people that are going to sustain you and help you through motherhood. Yeah. And that speaks to this judgment that we have Mm -hmm. of each other. Can we please stop judging each other? Good for you that you're making your own food. Like good for you. I do not have it in me 
to yeah. make my own food if I was that mom. Right. And I, I kind of was that mom. I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't because there right. was other things going on. And so we need yeah. to respect that we don't know the whole story. And can we not just accept that? Look, we're all doing the best we can here. Right. And we're well, all struggling. I- yeah. Well, I thought like I was going to come up with this solution to end judgment and to end mom shaming. Right. I thought, oh, <laughs> I can't wait to write that chapter because I'm going to have a solution to it. And yeah. what I realized after so many interviews and I even talked to researchers and experts and people who focus on emotions and mother, there is no solution to end the judgment. There is something so innate about judgment. We can't help ourselves, but to judge. So I was just like, you know what? Accept that you're going to be judged mm. and accept that you will sometimes also judge, but know that that has more to do with the judger's insecurities than you, right? Yes. So what I find is that people judge because someone's doing something different than they, they're doing. So they feel that that's somehow criticizing how they're parenting. So it's easier to put that person down than to accept that everyone has a, can parent differently or everyone can do their own thing. And that's still okay. You're all going to still have wonderful kids, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, so yeah. I think that judgment comes from a place of insecurity. And yeah. I think that judgment and insecurity are both natural parts of being humans, right? I love that take. I love that take on it. That is such a healthy way to look at it. Like, accept that I am going to judge. And actually, when you look at the way the brain works, the brain is always trying to compartmentalize things and organize things to make sense of things. So really, when we put something in a, in a container, which doesn't necessarily serve us, you know, mm-hmm. for in our, in, a, in the best way, but it, it's like, oh, that is other. And that's different than what I do or what I've ever, you know, grew up doing or learned to do or whatever. And so I'm not sure about that. So, I, so it does make sense that, yeah, we are going to judge. Um, and I would say, notice your judgments too. What, you know, what are yep. you saying to yourself? Right. And right. you're so right. What people judge you on is usually their own stuff. I always say right. nothing is really ever personal, right? Because yeah. you're only reacting from your place, your emotions, your stuff towards somebody else. Right. Right. So, right. And, and then we, and then when somebody does it to us, we tell ourselves a story about it and so on and so yeah. on. So, it's yeah. a mind mess, isn't it? <laughs> it's true. And you have to ask yourself, you know, you can judge without being cruel, right? So you can, you can say like, oh, I wouldn't necessarily do that, but you know what? That works for this person. But if you're judging and you're going to put down that person, or you're going to make that person feel bad. You have to ask yourself, where does that come from? Like, mm-hmm. why, why am I so invested in what that person is doing when it has nothing to do with me and my mm-hmm. family? So it does require us to take a moment when we're, if we're having a mean girl moment, or whatever's going on, and mm. to really think about where this is coming from. I remember m- meeting a woman who um, we were talking, and she would she breastfed for I think her she stopped breastfeeding when her son was like four or five. And I remember thinking like, gosh, he has teeth. Like that's like way too long to breastfeed. And I was making all these judgments in my head, and then I had to stop. And I was like, where does that come from? That comes from the fact that I couldn't do that, and I wish I could have done that. Yeah, right? you know you know, amazing. She, she had a supply that lasted years and she could breastfeed her child. Yeah. I couldn't do that. So my, that initial judgment came from a place of insecurity for me yeah. because I've always had, I've always felt bad about the fact that I couldn't do that well with either child. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's what we had to think about. And if some mom, you know, you know, dresses a certain way and let, that's her, that's yeah. that person or those parents are, um, 
helicopter parents, fine, that works for their kid. If that's not what you want to do, that's fine. And I also think we have to think of judgment as this, right? So we, we, we see someone doing something that we don't necessarily think would work for us. That's fine. That means that you have clear rules for how your family is going to function and what works for your family. So in a way, judgment helps kind of solidify that we're doing something right for us. Right. right? So it's, yeah. it's okay to like have opinions that about someone else's, you know, behavior or parenting. And you can say, you know, I wouldn't do that. That just, that should just reinforce your confidence in what you're doing. Mm, so I if you think that. about it that way, in, a, in some way, judgment can have a little bit of, po- it should give you some confidence and should be a little bit of positivity in your life, as long as it doesn't come from an, yeah. a nasty, hateful place. So right. I, and I couldn't find a cure for judgment. I tried to like change my relationship with judgment. I, lo- I love it. I, I, I love everything you said. It's such a new take uh, on it. And, uh, you know, there's, there's also a lot of fear there too. And, you know, Mm -hmm. when you just started talking about the mom who breastfed her child until he was four or five, I had a reaction in myself. And so as you were talking, I'm like, okay, okay, I'm doing what you're, I'm going to do what you just said you did. Right. And actually it makes me uncomfortable, but it's not about me in any way, shape or form with that mom does. That's my issue. Right. So it makes me uncomfortable. Therefore I don't like it because I don't want to be uncomfortable, but nobody asked me. Nobody asked me. Right. So go breastfeed right. your kid. What does it matter to me? Right? Yes. Right. yes. Right. So and you know, it may, I, I doubt I would have breastfed that long, even if I could have, Right. Me too. <laughs> but that is, this That's is your mom's, yeah. that, that was his mom's choice. And she said, cause I remember being so curious. I was talking to her. I was like, well, you know, how does that work? Cause it's not about necessarily hunger she's like no it's like a closeness it's how they go to bed you know it's how it's like when it's a soothing technique or it's, it's about um helping them soothe them to sleep and I was like okay well that works for you yeah. and that's you know and I think that with other things we have to um accept that too I remember uh I talked to a lot of moms who work outside the home and inside the home meaning moms who are stay-at-home moms who don't have other careers outside the home and then moms who have careers outside the home. And Mm. there's still like, that seems like an old fashioned battleground, right? Like it seems like why are people still critical of each other if you decide to have to work in a career outside the home, but that still happens. And I was like, well, why? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like people, a lot of people have no choice but to work. Right. And then on the other, and and the criticism kind of goes both ways. You know, then they have moms who work who are like, I don't understand how this person just is with their kids all day or just, you know, and it's just kind of like, well, so what? (laughs) Like this works for them and that works for you. And, you know, and I, what, what I have found is like, I, in my mom group, I have like my little mom tribe Mm. and half of us work, half of us do not. Mm. And somehow it, it, it works. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's because we kind of respect each other's choices. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, and, and that, I think it, that's a relationship we built over time and mm-hmm. over going through highs and lows and helping each other's through births and deaths and everything like that. Yeah. But you really have to, you, you have to value the other things like that emotional connection, those people give you. So mm-hmm. I don't, I also want people when they're looking for connection or looking for support, don't base it on, well, this person works too. So this is going to be, we're going to have mm-hmm. more in common. Don't do that. 
Right. Don't do I that. agree. Yeah, I totally agree. And in fact, I've reframed the way I've looked at it because, you know, there, there, there was a moment maybe where I was like, well, I'm, I'm a working mom. I've, I've never not worked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then when, you know, and I've had other working mom friends be like, mm, yeah, you know, those stay at home moms, but I don't see it that way at all. I see it like they, ch- they, they, they've got a harder road. It's staying with their kids all the time. It's definitely harder. Um, but also what I see is those moms are amazing because they're the ones that volunteer at the school. They're the ones that, yep. you know, do the fundraising and do all the stuff that I don't have time for. So I am so grateful to them. And so I yeah. love that you brought that up because I think we do need to, um, we need to honor each other, right? We're, we're yeah. all doing the best we can. We're all yeah. doing the best yeah. we can. Um, what about burnout in moms though? We've, we've got to mm-hmm. really talk about burnout in moms and, um, and why there is an epidemic. We both are seeing it. You and I are both mm-hmm. seeing an epidemic of burnout in moms. What's going on? Right. So I really think that has a lot to do with so much of our focus is just on mothering, right? And we are not leaving room for other things in our lives. So think about it this way. Before you had kids, you had dreams and goals and hobbies and interests and things that were going on, right? And and for a lot of women, um, a lot of moms, when they had kids, they kind of push all that to the background, right? And push it all to the side. And what happens is over time, when we're just kind of like these kind of like focused, okay, kids have what they need. The house is taken care of. Okay, go to work, do get all this work done. We're not leaving room for other things. And we're human. We need yeah. other things. Like we need, and I'm not saying like, <laughs> you know, ditching everything and moving to Hawaii and surfing. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm talking about focusing a little bit of your time on yourself. Um, and sometimes it's hard to figure out. So I, I had this like quick little test in, in the front of the book, like, you know, a- answer these questions. Like, you know, if you have a career, is it going in a direction that you wanted to? Are you nurturing your marriage or your partnership? Do you have hobbies or interests outside of your family? Mm-hmm. And do you feel good about yourself? right? If you answered no to any of those questions, oh, and another one, do you have a supportive network? Mm -hmm. And if you answered no to any of those questions, it is very likely that you have burnout, right? Because you're not feeding what you need to feel complete, right? We're, 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 we're not just moms and we're not just workers. We're, there's so much more to us and to our needs. And so I'm, I, advocate very seriously for focusing on something that's going to make you happy. And it's for a lot of women, it's hard to figure out what that is because they spend so much time caring for others. It's they've kind of forgotten how to care for themselves. And so I, I mean, I think I, it's like a 20 question test on how to figure out what it is that you want to do. What little something extra do you want to do for yourself? And I talked to moms who, you know, this one mother, she's amazing. She works time she has a family but she just felt like she wanted to do something else like she wanted to feel good about something else like she wanted something else to do with her her life and her time and maybe even like a personal legacy so what she started to do she'd go into homeless shelters in Detroit and she would decorate the rooms that were dedicated to uh, families so that the kids when they came they'd have a real a bedspread and some curtains and a couple of toys and she gets donations and she and now I mean she she I mean, she's done this to hundreds of shelters, right? Mm. And for her, that's what she needed, right? That little something else. For another person, it was starting a business or quitting her 
her job and working for herself to start start a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't, or another mom started running marathons. Uh, others right. started just doing exercise. So it's not going to be the same prescription for every person, right. but I think we have so much burnout because all we're doing is just stuff on our to-do list to get through the day, but we have to add ourselves back on top of that to-do list. Oh, 100% and it could, agree. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to advocate for ourselves because if we don't, then mm-hmm. um, nobody else will really. Right. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's number one. It, taking care of ourselves is number one for managing your anger. Right. Your burnout, yeah. all of that, too. Right. Because if you're burnt yeah. out, you think you're going to show up in a peaceful, calm, confident way with your yeah. kids, like not a chance. Yeah. Right. So right. it is actually essential. None of the other stuff matters until you're OK. And I like yep. that you said that for that, that it's different because, you know, when we talk about burnout, we talk about self-care and I'm using air quotes, right? Mm Self-care. It doesn't mean I'm going to the spa. It doesn't mean I'm having like a girl's night. It just means I'm saying no to the thing that I just can't even do. It maybe means that I am saying yes to letting somebody just come and clean my house once or something, right? If you can, or whatever it is, right? Um, Yeah. It's taking help. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. It's like taking help when it's offered to, there are so many people who kind of don't, you know, someone extends, you know, Oh, do you want me to help you with that? Or can I do this? Or can I help with this project? Or can I help you at home or a relative, a friend, a neighbor and take it, say yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. it makes the other person <laughs> happy too, by the way, it's yeah. not just for you. They're asking yeah. because they want to help you. And how can you ever give if nobody's going to receive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely true. I love it. I love it. So, okay. I love those questions with the burnout test and, and how to relieve burnout. You talk about the happiness gap. What, what yeah. is that? What is that? Yeah. So there was a study done uh, in 21 countries and they found that Amer- American parents were the least happy of all parents in, of these countries. I believe it. <laughs> And, and so, and, and what that showed is that, you know, we're kind of taught and told that when you have a family, this is like the most fulfilling thing you can do. And this is the, you know, this is the recipe for happiness, having, getting married and having kids and having your family. And so there's this gap where um, people without children tend to be happier than people with children in this country. And it really kind of made me sad, right? Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, we work so hard. A lot of us work very hard to have kids. You know, you, you just, you plan, you decide to do this and you make this um, a goal for your life. And then for some people, for apparently a lot of people, um, they're very unhappy in those early stages of parenthood. And I, and that's when I want to research why, like, why are we, Why, why is this happening? So I should also note though, as your children get older, parents become happier. Yeah, and then also when your children are adults, people with children who have adult children are happier than people who have no children. So it's like, it's, oh, it's interesting. an interesting evolution. Yeah. So it's not like this unhappiness lasts forever, but I think it's exactly. those first few, those first, you know, zero to five years of parenthood, sometimes zero to 10 years when you're in the thick of it and you're tired and you're stressed and your kids need so much and you have so much to do. Mm -hmm. And then we also live in a country that doesn't really support parents. There's not enough, you know, there's not parental leave at at jobs. There's no help with daycare. Um, There's so many stressors on parents 
that um, it becomes this incredibly stressful, scary time in their lives. So that is what I attribute this happiness gap to with Mm -hmm. the fact that, so, you know, we're one of those countries that doesn't provide a lot of assistance to parents. Yeah. And, and it makes parenting that much harder. Yeah. Well, as a Canadian and raising my kids here, you know, Mm -hmm. there is support here, but I still see the same thing. And um, I think that, you know, one of the things that I know you and I agree on is it, it, first of all, I totally agree. I see it every day. It's those younger, the, the younger families, right. When their kids are three and one or four and two, right. <laughs> and I tell people, I'm like, look, you got to just get through these few years. I promise you it's going to get easier. This is the hardest time in your life. It's the hardest yeah. time to be a parent, but don't worry. It's also the sweetest. It's the cutest. You're yeah. going to look back and look at those little toes and those little ears yeah. and love all of that stuff. Right. Right? when they want to come to you. So like there's, there's a balance between cherishing this. And I think if you just accept like, this is hard too, right? Acceptance is yeah. such a big deal. It's so important, but also is, and I, th- I, I, I really do believe this to be true, that just having a better understanding of the way our kids are wired and the way yeah. they work that is the key to being happier at home. Because when you yeah. see behavior you don't like, if you were just to understand why and to know that for the most part, it's temporary and mm-hmm. that you don't have to be scared about what this means for the future, we would just be so much happier. It's true. If you think about it, when you're preparing for parenthood, all the things that you're told to expect have to do with like that newborn. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like the only thing that you get advice and focus on. Right. And so then, you know, as the kid gets older and you're battling, dealing with all of these things and these issues and this time and the stressor, there's just, there's just not enough support, or I should say not enough warnings yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> about what's going on with your kid, what's going on with you. You know, kids are like, you know, they're all kinds of emotions, like yeah. from one minute to another. And it can be, especially if we have more than one little one, right. If you're dealing with two or even three children who are under five. Oh my gosh. Like it is crazy town. Totally right? crazy town. And I think that we should, you know, help prep parents for that and help them understand like what it's not you, it's your kids. <laughs> like these are what kids, this is what kids do. This is what it's like in every house on your block. Yeah. And it's but, developmentally appropriate for them yes. to be like that. It's not yeah. a sign that you're a horrible mom or your kids right. are the worst. It's just, right. That, that is where they are right now. And if you can right. actually have an energy of accepting it instead of resisting it, not only will that energy create a more, more harmony in your home, you know, it just won't affect you as much. Right. right. It just won't. Like when my, yeah. My four-year-old has a tantrum in the store and I'm like, and you know, a friend maybe who doesn't have children or um, even, you know, someone else will be like, give you that kind of like, oh, that disgusted look or that annoyed yeah. look. And I'm like, you know what? Everyone who's had a four-year-old knows this is what four-year-olds do when they don't get their fruit loops. Like, <laughs> exactly. exactly. I'm like, he's fine, you know? And I yeah. think that though, it took me a while to develop that confidence because with my first mm-hmm. child and it happened, I'd cringe. I'd be like, oh my God, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Yeah. But everyone who has children understands what you're going through mm-hmm. and they get it. Like when I see a mom struggling, I'm like, don't worry, girl, you got this it's going to get better, you know? And sometimes that little thing saying that little thing helps. I've been on planes 
where, you know, it's always horrifying when your children have, have meltdowns on planes. It's like, you're confined in this box and you can't go anywhere. And, you know, people are always so cruel, like, oh, like, or complaining. And I'm just like, you know what, you're doing a good job. You, that's like, don't worry about it. We've all been there. And just saying those few little words can mean Mm -hmm. so much to mom or dad who's struggling in, in in the moment. You know, there is this like, you know, sisterhood, brotherhood of parents, (laughs) parenting that we need to like embrace and encourage each other, you know? And it's not like the mom who brought, or dad who brought their kid on the plane is purposely trying to ruin your trip and wants their kid to cry the entire time. They are mortified that this is happening and they're desperate to stop it. So please give that mom or dad the benefit of the doubt and support them instead of like, oh, great. Yeah. There's a kid on the plane. You know, (laughs) I thought that I thought that once or twice. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's natural, and you can think that, but don't be unkind, right? Like I, you know, I have kids, and I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope the woman with the newborn doesn't sit next to me because I want to sleep this flight. But if she sits next to me, I'm gonna talk to her, and I'm gonna help her. I'll hold her baby if she needs to go to the bathroom. Right? Like again, you're allowed to have that opinion or judgment or whatever, but no, don't be a jerk. Yeah, exactly. It's going to come back to you in some way, shape or form. That's right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You just wait. That's what I say. I know. Right. (laughs) Okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Just, just wait, just wait. It'll, it'll, it'll come back. It'll come back to you. Um, so, you know, Okay. So I want to, I want to take like a a right turn for, or a left turn or whatever for a second. I want to talk about, um, our relationships with our spouses, because, you know, you are a different person, especially moms when you become a mom, right? In fact, I think that when we celebrate our kids' birthdays, we should be celebrating a birthday for us too, because we, it is the birth of a new world, new life for us, right? So um, what about the relationship with our spouse? What, What do you say about that? Yeah. So, you know, I write about how your relationship, and I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but your relationship (laughs) with your spouse should, or your partner should actually come first. Right. And I don't mean you leave your children hungry. Don't take them a play date, but you, you know, you're, you need to focus on your relationship. If you love your partner, you want to be Mm -hmm. with your partner, you want to maintain a strong relationship. You have to make time for them. And what I find is that, and I've done this, I've been guilty of this myself as well. What I find is that so often we put every single ounce of our energy, every single ounce of our planning into what our kids need. Right. And we don't leave a lot of time for that partnership. And it's not just for your partner, it's for you too. Like you mm-hmm. want that connection. You need that connection. You marry them or you're with them for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you want to like, you want to kind of keep that relationship going. So you know, I, I think we're in a culture of over scheduling, right? We're always scheduling. Mm-hmm. We're always making sure our kids have tons to do enriching activities and play dates and this and that. Well, you know what? If one Sunday you have nothing planned for your kids and you decide to, to hire a babysitter and go out with your spouse, that's okay. And in fact, you should do that once in a while. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And that's what I mean by like, sometimes putting your relationship first. Um, and I find that we're so many women were reluctant to do that because we're co- we constantly feel we have to do, our kids have to be busy or kids have to be engaged or kids have to be having fun and they're going to be fine. Right. Or if you know what, 
you want to go out on a date or you want to have a special meal for you and your partner, make the kids go to bed early and have a special romantic meal. What a meal. But my point is, it's okay to focus on that other relationship in your house. Yeah. And it's important to, and I also talk a lot about intimacy, right? Intimacy doesn't have to mean sex all the time, right? Mm. And I, what I found is that couples often lose those little tiny intimacy touches, right? Yeah. It's like, talk to couples who don't even say good morning in the morning. They kind of go through all of the lunch, shower, getting everyone dressed and kind of getting out the door, right? Yeah. Good morning. Have a kiss. Good morning. It doesn't have to be a French kiss. It could just be a little pack of cheese. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's like asking how your day was. It is touching, meaning like, mm-hmm. you know, my husband loves it when I rub the back of his head. You know, we can lose those little things because we're so busy. We're so stressed. We're so annoyed often with each other because we're so crazed and stressed. But you have to make a point of making those little tiny, those little tiny moves that are, it's like, a, it's like a redefining intimacy when you're busy and you're stressed and you're overworked. Yeah. And, it, and it really is like, you know, we lately, he'll, he asked me how my day was and he waits and he listens, right? And I mm-hmm. do the same thing. Or if he has a doctor's appointment, I'm like, oh, what did the doctor say? Or what, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's like making time for that. And I know it kind of sounds silly, but so many couples don't do that. They don't make time to yeah. listen to each other. So that's, that's what I think is incredibly important if you want to maintain a healthy relationship where you feel, you know, you feel connected to your yeah. partner, because otherwise parenting has a way of making a relationship very transactional. Well, I took him to baseball, you take her to ballet, or I did the dishes last night, you have to do them tonight, or who's going to do this, or who's going to do that. That's, that's inevitable, right? But you yeah. have to work at the, the other things you have to work on the more tender moments. Yeah. You know, and I think that there's, there's seasons of that too, right? Just like Mm -hmm. there is with the more unhappiness at those younger ages. I do remember my husband, like my husband's my best friend. I love him more than anybody on this planet. Um, And, and I really mean that, like, he's just the best. And, uh, and we were like, it was totally transactional. It it was almost like a dance in the kitchen. Like I've got this, you've got that. I'm doing this. I'm putting the kettle up for the coffee and we're going to do, you know, I've got all this kind of stuff. And then off they go, he disappears. You know, I I worked from home for a long time, even when I was in my corporate job. Um, And then, and then, you know, then it was like, who's picking them up. I'm going to pick them up. If you can pick them up, then I can make dinner. And then, you know, all this stuff. Right. And it's like, how do I even have time? But, but we did make time to nurture ourselves Mm -hmm. together eventually. And we've always said that our relationship is the best gift we can give to our kids in, in a strong, healthy foundation. Like they see us laughing together. They see us having fun together. You know, they know that we go out, like my kids are 13 and um, 16 now, so we can leave. Right. That's why we're happier. Right. Like we can leave alone. Right. It's so great. I know you're almost there. Um, And, uh, and so that's great. Right. So we get to do things um, again. And I think it's also good practice for when the kids are gone, you know, what I mean? Like yeah. for when they leave the house and you're empty nesters, cause you've got to figure out what your relationship lo- looks like then. Cause our kids yeah. are here 
for a short time, <laughs> even though the relationship sure. lasts a lifetime. So yeah, yeah I, I really agree with you. And I love that you're bringing that up. I really do. And I don't think it's bad to say at all, put your relationship first. That's the foundation for everything. And don't you think that it's more harmful to your child or your children if you don't nurture that relationship and they have to go through a breakup? That's more damaging. So take that Sunday, mamas and dads, take yeah. that Sunday. And yeah, I think enough more parents don't understand that if they're not happy and they're not feeling supported and nurtured and loved their children sense that and know that, you know, a lot of, I talk to a lot of parents who feel like, Oh, you know what? I'm burned out and I'm miserable and I'm happy, but my kids are okay. And I'm like, you know, kids are very perceptive, even really little ones, you know? So if you're feeling the stress and tension and this unhappiness, it is affecting your child, whether you recognize that or not. So it's really important to nurture all parts of yourself and, and especially your partnership or your, or your marriage. Well, and the fact of the matter is, is that stress is contagious. And a mm-hmm. lot of times when I work with, with parents, they will talk about wild behavior from their kids when in mm-hmm. fact it's their marriage, their partnership that isn't working and our, and the yeah. kids are reacting to that to the fact that their parents are figures of instability because sometimes they are say yes. Sometimes they say no. Sometimes they freak out. Sometimes they don't mind all this kind of stuff. And like our kids are like, Oh, I don't know if you're going to get my needs met. I have got to hustle. And then you've got a kid who wants to be in charge of everything and tries to take control because mom and dad just are all over the place. And that's not a good thing for your kids because that, that, that it impacts their development it, yeah. you know, it makes them deal with issues that are not for them to deal with. Right. So, yeah. It's yeah. So I am a hundred percent on board with, with what you just said. That is so true. So, so true. So any last thoughts that you have that you want to share? Like, this has just been such a fun conversation. <laughs> yeah. Erica. Um, I mean, your book is how to have a kid and a life a survival guide. I love it. Like that's just the best title. And you know, the book is incredible. So I, I love, Thank I think you. you're doing a service to moms and I'm happy Thank to be you. able to, to feature you and talk about you so that you can help even more. But that being said, any last bits of wisdom, advice, anything that you yeah. want to leave my listeners with? I'd love that. I think one of the most important takeaways when you're talking about this issue of burnout and motherhood is that um, if you are not prioritizing yourself and your needs, if you're not feeling nurtured and loved and supported and happy, it is very unlikely that you are being the kind of parent or partner that you want to be. So mamas, please take care of yourself, put yourself back on top of your to-do list. You will benefit, your kids will benefit, your whole family will. You matter too. Oh, I love it. And stop the guilt, stop the story (laughs) in your head, do yes. it, enjoy it. Because if you're doing it with guilt and shame and second guessing yourself, you're not going to enjoy it. Go, go and do the thing you need to do, whatever it is. I love it so much. So Erica, we can find you on Twitter, on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. You are, yeah. um, yeah, uh, we've got yeah, everything in the show notes for you. And then what is your website? It's, uh, it's just my name. It's ericasuter.com, E-R-I-C-K-A-S-O-U-T-E-R.com. And uh, yes, you can also catch me. I, I do parenting commentary on Good Morning America and other shows. Uh, I love talking about parenthood and motherhood. It's such an important 
part of life. It's such an important part of our culture. Mm-hmm. And we, re- we really need to work hard on, on making it better for everyone. Oh, it is the most important job that we do. And it is the mm-hmm. one job we do without any training, any real information, oh, support, right? Oh my gosh. Right. Uh, so thank you. You are just a gift to moms and dads everywhere. Oh, thank you so thank much. You. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.